0: I'm Chad So of the Chad and Cheese Podcast, joined by
1: Joel Cheeseman, the cheese segment of the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Yeah, everybody can remember him. Uh,
0: Jerry Crispin, the recruiting soothsayer, I came out, I think somebody's I like called that. you that before, but I'm here, I, I'm not
2: I'm about to call soothsayer myself soothsayer and sightseer, I a like a tiger of some sort. <laughs> tiger Jerry King, Crispin, I like it.
0: Tiger King of uh, recruiting <laughs> Crossroads. We have Deb Andrew truck. She is the industry veteran and VP of, I, I said recruitment branding goodness. I feel like that is. Ooh, Deb and good recruiting I, branding. That can be my.
3: I'm going to change my business card to say that. I, I like it. I like um, it. So.
0: Over at Shaker Recruiting, Joel has a, a, a logo there to share. Uh, and last but never but always least, uh, okay. Stephen Rothberg. Nobody can have a college recruiting discussion <laughs> without Stephen Rothberg actually popping his head in. So Stephen, token Rothberg, Canadian, welcome, President. Steve founder, collegerecruiter.com. So the theme of today's discussion is protecting your brand in the realm of college recruiting. Steven, this one's going to you, buddy. Okay, Are you ready? As always. How are employers protecting their brands and talent pipelines by adapting their internship programs?
4: Most of the large employers understand that their college recruiting programs whether it's internships or new grads are strategic that that's where their next generation of leaders come from the this small number who look on at interns as um cheap sources of labor or basically temporary help are doing mm-hmm. a terrible job of protecting their brands those are the ones where we're seeing the biggest layoffs small startups who brought in a bunch of interns because they've got a project that needs done and they had no intention of converting those interns into well we have to come up with a better word permanent hires no hire is permanent the vast majority of the large employers and it's large it's the large employers who hire most students in recent grads. That's where the bulk of that hiring comes from. The vast majority of them, I think, are really trying hard to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing, not just because it's, um, they're trying to protect that student, that grad, and do the right thing for that person, but they're also being mindful of their own business. So by doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing for the candidate and you're doing the right thing for your business. If they were to turn around and rescind their offers, then they lose this year's class. And they're probably also going to lose next year's class and the class the year after, because every one of those students that has an offer rescinded or just has the employer treat them like shit is going to tell five thousand of their closest friends on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. That we, oh, you stole my thunder, man! <laughs> I was going to say there's going to be TikTok videos with people doing little dances, talking about how they had their offer rescinded, and and as disturbing as that would be. With just the dance thing to add, lay that over would be even worse, but uh word will spread very quickly you'll have you'll have career service offices um, counseling students to not accept an offer from the terrible employer a and instead accept an offer from employer b so these big brands. I think it took them a couple of weeks to grasp the monumental problem that they faced. They have a huge cash flow problem, they have a huge problem in adapting the work so that these people can do meaningful work from home, but I feel like they they almost all realized they needed to do it. And I've actually been really amazed pleasantly at how unusual it is when we hear of big brands not doing it. Like they almost all are rising to the occasion. Um, it's, it's been very encouraging. It's been very collaborative.
0: Jerry, one of the things with my military background, I've, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, always amazing recruitment, right? Uh, the process might not be great, but amazing recruitment. One thing I can't understand from companies is why they haven't started their ROTC programs, the Reserve Officer Training Corps types of programs, where they put them in and say, look, you your recruit You're coming in. You're going to be a developer at my organization. We're going to stick with you through these years, whatever it takes, um, but you're ours, and we're going to pay for tuition or whatever that is. Why haven't companies adapted to be more advanced? Because that is advanced, and that is true pipelining.
2: It's, It's a long time since I've heard ideas like that, to be honest with you. Probably 20, 30 years, which is really what uh, what happened about twenty or thirty years ago, was we stopped developing people we want to hire people who can work today right, and so the intern program is is really the closest thing we have to uh, kind of job shadowing, but I get a chance to you know to see and to buy later on. what uh, Stephen was talking about is not only do you lose the ability to to get interns next year if you screw up with the interns this year that intern class that you have this year is is actually where you get your early hires so you know is financial services probably the the biggest example of that nearly 90% of all of their early hires come from their intern classes their own intern classes in many cases not just their competitors intern classes so so the impact of this uh, pipeline, if you will, is really in turn to early hire. The truth of it is, though, that some companies could be doing some extraordinary things if they brought people in and made some promises for a longer term capability of developing that. Now, there are examples of that. In fact, in the, company, in the city that Dev is in, you've got Enterprise rent a car and it's yeah. a great example
0: yeah.
2: of, of a company yeah. that that a huge percentage <laughs> of their total hires, it used to be almost 100%, basically come in at a single job at a, and I wouldn't call it early hire because even if you retired and wanted to go work for enterprise, that's the job you would get. Um, and then from there, you can grow in a variety of different directions uh, and from a development point of view. So they can show... That if you look at any mid-level or C-level person, the majority of them all started in the same exact place, in a Mm -hmm. store where they learned how to deal with the business at its base level. Those kinds of models, though, are few and far between. And the majority of folks who do join companies from college often are gone within two, three, four years. Some companies probably should be doing an ROI on what is the value long term of bringing kids in in that first job because the investment in all of that doesn't really pay off for years. And so, if companies did a better job of rethinking how they develop people for the long term, they, they'd realize that they've lost um, a little bit of that investment possibility. So you you raise a really important question. Um, Corporations have to think more in the future about buy versus build. And early career hire interns are part of the build decision strategically, and they should be thinking more more long-term from that perspective. Chad, you're kind of talking apprenticeships. Yeah, to, to yeah. an extent.
0: And I mean, it, we see this on the tech side more than we do anything else, but there's no reason why it can't be rolled over. And again, like, it, like in our OTC program, where the college is being paid for, and when you pop out of college, you are now in a three-year or four-year contract to be a developer on this level. And during mm-hmm. that time frame, you've gone through some training. So you when you come that. out, you already know about that company. You've already been through training classes, probably certifications, corporate certifications, those types of things. And at the end of that, you you have a paid degree, you have a a brand that you're going into. And again, that's a true pipeline.
2: To me, most companies today are saying that they want to eliminate college degree as a requirement for a job, which offers a tremendous opportunity for a lot of people who've gotten good experience doing a lot of things, military, yes. uh, Peace Corps, a lot of other kinds of things, to coming into corporations and then being part of a much bigger opportunity for apprenticeship and college and all of those things.
1: You say companies want to do that. What's stopping them?
2: It's a lot of okay. talk. It's not enough <laughs> walk. Is, is okay. um, it's everything we do in change is very slow, and you have tremendous resistance to change mm. and the people who want to who do the talking also need to step up and take risks to push that point of view.
3: There's a large consumer packaged goods company um, that we all know that always has relied on uh, new grads. And I don't know this for a fact, um, but just kind of watching them evolve over the last five or 10 years Um we're starting to see this company, um, you know, start to lean more heavily on more experienced tires, right? And bringing in people from all different facets of work life. And I think it goes back to the fact that I think when you are cultivating talent, I mean, enterprise does it really, really well. But I think sometimes you can get into a situation where you end up churning out people that all are homogenous, right? We all look and talk and um, do everything the same. And inclusivity and diversity is so important right now. I think companies are starting to recognize that they need to start tapping different, you know, silos to bring in the right people and, and, and also to stay ahead of um, the technology and just you know how quickly things are changing. I don't know that when you only have homegrown talent that that you can always do that.
0: Yeah, I, well, and I agree. I think though we're talking about one piece of the pipeline, which is the, the kind of pseudo entry level, right? So you have uh, the, the experienced recruiters and the C-level recruiters and so on and so forth. And everybody should be focused on and have goals and be transparent with regard to, to, to diversity. Period. Whether it's veterans, individuals with disabilities, uh, gender it doesn't matter. Race. I mean, it, we should be more transparent. And I think that's one of the the biggest reasons why, my my personal opinion, why we have uh, pay inequity is because nobody knows what any everybody's getting paid. So it's this moving. You know, so it's 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 behind closed doors. If everybody knew, I believe we could actually start to bring those up to where they were level if we had transparency but we
1: don't and in the spirit in of country, no. in the spirit of sort of widening the net i'm curious uh, your thoughts so one of the be- beautiful things about work from home is it, it it scales pretty well from an educational standpoint right it doesn't matter how big the classroom is in in, in some aspects so in a, in a work from home world and i i kind of assume we're at least going to start leaning that way after this period do internship programs get larger with more interns? And if not, why not?
4: Interesting. I'm not sure if they would get larger because like Jerry was alluding to earlier, the internship program by the companies who do them well is that is the source of new grad hiring. You know, if, if you're going to hire 200 people a year as new grads, you know, 175 of them probably came from your own internship program. So I think it's the size of the internship program is really driven by the number of new grads that you're looking to bring on. But a couple changes that I think we're going to see is I think it's going to, in some ways, level the playing field rural urban. If, if you live in a rural area, it's really, really hard to get an internship. Yeah. On the other hand, I think it's going to increase the barriers socioeconomically. You have to have pretty damn good Wi-Fi in order to do an internship remotely. You have to have a good computer. You have to, you have to be in an area where, broad, where, where, where high-speed internet is available, which one of the things we're finding out right now is geographically, the majority of the country really suffers from really, really poor internet access. And so people in remote areas, in rural areas, are just really hurting right now. They're not okay. able to watch Netflix. So I understand so I understand, like we are. I,
1: I, I understand yeah. the tech argument. I yeah. don't, if you were going fishing, wouldn't you rather fish in a lake with more fish than less fish, even if you had a quota that you needed yeah, to fill? So,
4: yeah, yeah, and so I think from an employer's standpoint, there are pros and cons. From society's standpoint, there are pros and cons. So yes, if you're gonna have a, a, a largely remote internship, program, you can cast that net a lot wider. And I think that that gives you a greater opportunity to, to attract good talent. You know, if you're an employer in St. Louis, just to, to, to stick a recruiter on an airplane and fly them up to Alaska is kind of challenging for, from you know, a cost standpoint. But now you can hire that candidate in Alaska just as easily as you can hire the candidate in Kansas City. So that's going to help those people in Alaska. On the other hand, if you're in rural Alaska, you probably don't have good internet.
2: Yeah, I, I, but you have good fishing. Yeah, you're going to be able to fish from a lot of places <laughs> is the point, as yeah. opposed to the one place you've been going all the time. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, so we're going to see the potential for more diversity. And I say it, potential because as Stephen's point, I think is really an important one is that whether it's rural or whether it's a, from associate economic point of view, I don't have a computer. Um, I don't I haven't I haven't paid the kind of money that gets me all of the Wi-Fi that I could be getting. Those companies are going to have to provide some kind of subsidy, just as they might subsidize uh, where you live. If you moved someplace as an intern, they, they're going to have to provide a subsidies to make sure that you have the, the proper technology or whatever else they need from a communication point of view. But I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen and why the most companies would do that well and so you
1: you do think jerry that internships could expand oh without a doubt so
2: more more companies might be able to do more internships in more places if they concentrate on a balance of virtual versus face-to-face kind of thing when we come out of this thing and i i believe that they're going to learn a hell of a lot uh this summer Uh, with the interns that came on in May or or June, because typically that's when they're coming on, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to learn an awful lot about how to do that better. I I suspect that they'll struggle a bit, but uh, the projects, how long those projects should be, what the cost of all of those things should be, all of those things I think are going to provide them with the ability to build a business case for what percentage of our interns should be this way and what percentage should be another way. And I think the large companies will do that. I think, you know, there's still a lot of companies that, you know, in effect say to interns, you know, we're not going to pay you, right? We yes. don't see that in large companies, but there's entire industries in advertising, if you will, sure. where unless you're wealthy enough to do the internship, you're not going to get it. And and that's that's going to be more visible, I think, more and more as we build better
1: opportunities for more and more people. Deb, where where are you on that fence?
3: You know, um, part of me thinks that, yes, the uh, classes could be bigger or, um, you know, if you're condensing the length of time, like I think maybe some of these online programs, you could shorten them potentially um, just because you're making more efficient use of your time but I also think it also it, it really depends on how long this lasts and um, how much damage it does to some of the companies that are out there. I was talking to an insurance company the other day and they were saying, you know, we would really have liked to have been able to rescind all of our offers and cancel because we're hurting, you know. Yeah. People aren't paying their premiums. Um, people are pulling money out of their 401ks and, um, you know, things are just not great. So I think think it's all going to be dependent upon how long this lasts. And I, and I still do think that um, to Jerry's point, um, when you look at, Folks from a socioeconomic perspective, there definitely is going to be some imbalance, and I do think underrepresented, you know, groups of folks are they're they're going to take the backlash of they're going to take the brunt of it. I mean, really, when you look at um, in the in the last recession, unemployment for African Americans was I think like thirteen point four percent, something like that, more than double what unemployment for a new grad today is. So I mean, we know it happens. And I'm just that that's the thing that I worry about the most is um, the inequities that are going to come out of this. It it does concern me. Well,
0: and those inequities have been there. The thing is that this crisis is bubbling them up to the top and they're making them larger. And I hope that we as, as a society start to care about that because they were there before. Um, I hope this crisis actually moves us that way. But th- thanks once again for joining us, everybody, uh, and everybody out there in TV land. Don't forget uh, there are other segments in this discussion. Check them out. You can go to ChadCheese.com. Uh, check out Little Shaker, Little College Recruiter, Jerry. Listen to some soothsaying of, of, of Jerry at Career Crossroads. We'll see you next time. We out. We out. This has been the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit ChadCheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome.